success can be inconvenient. Connections can be inconvenient and, and relationships will always cost you two things, time or money. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should say time and money. Like you drive there that costs money. And it also costs time. You go to lunch, it costs time and it costs money. You go to dinner and it costs time. It costs money. You go to an event, it costs time and costs money. The rich people will leverage money or the wealth mindset will leverage Leverage money to cut time. This is why we join masterminds and coaching groups and live in certain area codes. No, people think, oh, it's just for your ego. No. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And I'm back with the Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast with Nicholas Barely. What is up, brother? How you doing, man? What's up, man? We're officially Facebook friends. If people are watching a video version, if not audio, we just became Facebook friends. We've been connected on Facebook, messaging back and forth. And we realized that we're not actually friends until we make it Facebook official. So it, it's officially here. And the people listening to the podcast are the first to hear it. I think, I think it's breaking news, if you ask me. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I really appreciate you having me here. And for the people that are listening as well, I appreciate them. Uh, I think that my life was transformed for the negative in just one moment. My father said one thing to me that caused me to go into a depression hole, didn't talk to him for three and a half years, gained 60 pounds, almost flunked out of school. I graduated the 1.8 GPA through going to high, uh, summer school every single year. Yet it was also, to, in my mind, if something can happen for the negative in just one moment, one word, one thing being spoken to, that could also happen for the positive. And a few years later, I saw that happen and I've stacked those moments happening again. And I believe that we can have some of those as well for the people that are listening. The only thing that they have to do is sit here till the very end. Cause if you don't listen, ain't nothing going to happen. So I'm excited true, to, to wrap with them as well. Well, I'm going to crush this thing out. And what I like to do is because a lot of this has to do with the evolution of the entrepreneur and we all start from somewhere. And so I'm going to only go back a couple of years, even though we had talked a little off the, off the air, we were talking about how we actually lived close at certain time, but there was a comment here and I always like to dive into a certain comment. And then I like to kind of just hear what your thoughts are. Um, I remember being so broke that my wife and I would try to sleep in the car. We couldn't afford $43 hotels, so we would fall asleep with the car on, heat on full blast. Then we would wake up so hot, we would turn off the car, only to start shriveling again and did it over and over again all throughout the night. This article, I share how sometimes you just have to do whatever it takes to build relationship capital. Even when I was 18 years old, I got invited by a friend to lunch a couple hours away from my home to meet an influence named Chad. I didn't even have enough money for lunch, but I drove there anyway. I built a connection with Chad. He randomly texted me one day and after asked if I would wanted to surf in the middle of the night. Number one, surfing in the middle of the night is actually pretty sick. But number two, what was going on in your life, man? Like that's a great pinnacle moment. Yeah. And, and it's great to go back and reflect on those moments as well, especially now you know, sitting in a place where I'm in an office in my home that is pretty freaking insane, where I was able to create like this stupid looking studio that's totally over the top. And remember those times, that specific moment, even driving down, I was driving from Northern California to Southern California, and my wife and I were trying to make it all in one trip, which California is huge. So this is like a 12, 13 hour drive. Yeah. yeah. Like t- tippy top down to San Diego. Yep. And we tried to leave at a time where I wouldn't hit much traffic. Well, it ended up being like 2 a.m. and I was not going to make it. I like was in between L.A. and whatever else is above L.A. that you don't know until you like hit Sacramento. Oh, yeah, and yeah. So, Ventura and, yeah, all those little Yeah, spots. I was like, I was like, what? but I was, I was like in the middle of nowhere. 
and we pulled off at a truck stop and I could see the motel eight. And I, the reason I knew that the amount for the hotel was that they show it on the signs right, and, they sh- that, yeah. and the only time they show it on the signs because it's so freaking cheap that it's worth showing on the sign. Like the only gas stations that make it visible off the side of the road, what the gas prices are, are the ones that are low priced. Anytime you can't see the, the price of the gas station off the freeway, you already know it's going to be bad priced because they're not advertising it because then you would skip it. So Mm -hmm. it was so low. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I physically can't swipe the card. I don't have cash. I don't have check. I don't have card that I could actually swipe to put us up for that night. And I remember just sitting there in the car and we were having that night where it was, you know, though it's California, it can still get cold at night, especially different areas. It can get cold. Yeah. And it was like, you know, full blast heat. And we, fall asleep and I'd wake up and I'd be sweating and I just hit the turn off the car button. And then all of a sudden we'd be shivering. And so, yeah, that's, that's the state that we were in. And I wasn't in that state single. There's a lot of guys that, that we reach that they're single still and they're going after their dreams and they're hesitant about, it. I'm like, don't be hesitant. I was married at 20. My wife was 18. I had someone else I had to provide for someone else that had to eat someone else that, yeah. that had grown up in a great family in a 5,000 plus square foot house to then marrying me who had no job failed in business. And then we were having to sleep in the car. So it was, it was a whole different pressure point. There's other people out there that maybe have kids and they're, they're scared to take those risks. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot more weighing on you. And you have to feed, it's a good feed children. Yeah. Uh, But when you, when you have the opportunity, there's always a place where you can have that hunger. And I remember you brought up about this influencer, Chad. I, I really think that the story is all about, what should you do to be able to make these connections? I talked about in that story that I was with a friend of mine. Mm. So I was with a friend of mine and we got invited out to lunch or I got invited out to lunch to go drive a couple hours up to kind of your area in Orange County to have lunch. I didn't even have money for lunch. So I drive up there with not even really money to pay for gas to come back. I didn't know what was going on, but I, I went to that lunch. I don't even know how I paid for it, made a connection, got that guy's phone number. And I remember just being like, man, like at least I made that connection. That was really cool. Yeah. And I actually drove my friend around all that day too. And just to like say, thank you. So I drive back home and I got that text and I talk about the difference of two people. Success can be inconvenient. Connections can be inconvenient and, and relationships will always cost you two things, time or money. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should say time and money. Like you drive there that costs money. And it also costs time. You go to lunch, it costs time and it costs money. You go to dinner and it costs time, it costs money. You go to an event, it costs time and costs money. The rich yeah. people will leverage money or the wealth mindset will leverage, leverage money to cut time. This is yeah. why we join masterminds and coaching groups and live in certain area codes. No, people think, oh, it's just for your ego. No, it's because I know that my next door neighbor is doing legit things and I could just go talk to him and he's going to be a, a or, or high they, executive Or, they, or they can support you, put their name on it. And at that point, you give yourself immediate social proof i mean relationships are the kicker right i mean it's i i i remember like with events and stuff and not feeling comfortable in what i had or feeling like i had what i do and i don't know if you've been in that situation but i know a lot of people probably do in this where it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to be and i think there's like a big stage it's like go anyways you know what i mean because you end up meeting other people that are kind of in that same journey and then you meet like one person they're like well maybe you can just go this way and you're like oh maybe that'll work you know so and and you can't go in the direction so i'll I'll actually button up i'll pause the story on and even talk about i just had a contractor here that was doing some home improvements on our house 
And he reminded me just of one of the guys that are in our community that were doing over $50,000 a month revenue at mid twenties. And I, they looked, they were literally the same person, like, man, this contractor guy yeah. is doing awesome. But in his world to be successful, what he knew was construction. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, that's just like the guy in my community, that's like doing all this online stuff and making 50 K a month. And this guy here, they're the same person and they have the same drive. There's nothing wrong with any of it. Just the opportunity that they, the vehicle they jumped in to be mm-hmm. a successful guy, they'll only jump into what they know. You can't go and build mm-hmm. a software company. If you don't yeah. know that building software is even possible, you, it can physically well, not happen. So even these are bringing up an interesting point because you also have to make, if you want to go make money, you got to kind of make sure you're in a money-making area as well. So what you're saying is you can run your hamster wheel and be the same person. And one man goes to construction perfectly fine. And then one man takes the energy and goes the other way. I think that's what you're, you're sharing. A million. Per- yeah. And you won't ever be able to take action. If the only, the most successful person that, you know, and the only opportunity, you know, is someone who does $10,000 a month salary, then that's the pinnacle of success. That's your watermark. And I learned this the hard way. I thought that people that made 10K a month were like gods. When I was 20 getting into business, I remember, I was like, am I supposed to get their autograph? Like legitimately, I talked to my wife. I'm like, how do we introduce ourselves? Do I say, can I get a picture with you? Yeah. And around that time, I was making like $1,000 to $3,000 a month revenue in our company. That's what I was selling. Mm-hmm. And then I remember years later, I met this guy that was making $10,000 before he'd eat breakfast every day. That was like, I can eat breakfast now. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I tried it, right? And I didn't eat for like three days. And I was like, all right, I need to dial this back a little bit. Like I'm not, like nothing. Yet I remember I was, our company was making like one to $3,000 per day. And I thought, how funny is this? I'm still the loser of my little group. I was the loser back then, Mm. meaning to my environment. Because anyone who's listening to this podcast are probably like one of the wealthiest people in the world. If you take total of 7 billion people. So don't give me like this, you know, bull crap, like, Oh, you know, it's easy to say because this person down makes this money or man, 10 mm-hmm. K or three yeah. K's a lot or yeah. whatever. I'm like, yeah. dude, I, I legitimately couldn't provide for my wife. And, I, and then all of a sudden I'm around these other guys that are making 10 K a day. And I was making one to three. And I realized I'm totally cool with being like 10% of all my friends around me. As long as the friends around me are doing hundred K a day, a mm, million yeah. dollars per day. And now one of my best friends, they do hundreds of thousands of dollars every single day. And I'm like, so what oh, was the business? What was the business? I didn't mean to cut you off, but just kind of a transition. Yeah, what would be like, um, what was the business transition from that? At that time in your life, you're driving out, you got a car, you got your wife, call us this scenario. What was the thing that called you to do any kind of business or transaction? So what, so uh, let me go back and tell the story yeah, then, and then I'll just sure. jump into this. So the, the guy that had texted me and said, Hey, do you want to go surf in the middle of the night? This is like my first opportunity to meet an influence influencer. And I had a friend with me that also was very motivated. And he just said, I'm not going like, there's too many variables. Just think about this. People, people always say they'll take the opportunity, but I had to drive an hour and a half, two hours up North. In the middle of the night to go surf at a surf spot that I didn't know where to park. I didn't know how to get down to. I didn't know anything about it. And I was going to surf in the middle of the night, which is illegal, taken to jail, like not okay. All these different very what about how many people are going to show up? What if this guy text blasted like 60 people and I, I go all the way up there and I don't even talk to him? 
So all these things are running through my head, but I'm like, what if? Yeah. And and there's, there's something I learned from that, which is the difference between inconsequential moments and defining moments. Inconsequential moments are moments that don't change your life. It's like, what did you eat today? You're not going to remember it in 10 years and go, I can't believe I made that decision. If I didn't make that one decision on what to eat that day, then my life would be totally different. Mm -hmm. And so I asked myself, you know, is this an inconsequential or defining moment? Is this a possibility for that? So inconsequential would be if I stayed home and did the same thing I've always done, I'm going to get what I've always gotten. Yeah. So there was an opportunity that it could be a defining moment, which are moments that change your life forever. This would be like the event that I went to when I was 18 years old, that I accidentally flicked a paper football out of a kid's hand and I hit my now wife in the back of the head with it. And that was was how we met. Yeah. What was the domino? What's the domino that kicked everything over? Yeah. I would have never met my wife if it wasn't for me first going to that event and many other small decisions that led us to meeting. Are you, are you better at, are you better at flicking paper football now? Uh, I'm trash at it, dude. I didn't do it ever after I got, after I found my wife through my first flick, dude, I was just like, never again, one and done. I am done. (laughs) Uh, Yet for me, uh, like going back to this is how people should go about connecting mm-hmm. and then how vigorously they should go up building their network. Yeah. And what called me to business was that my wife and I actually, we just served the poor. Like we were in ministry, we went to ministry school for two years. We went to Bulgaria, Turkey, Greece, France, mm-hmm. Scotland, London, South Africa, Mozambique, Africa. Uh, I'd spent some time in Mexico city. She was in Cuba and we did all of those trips together. And that was what we were, called to do like that's what we were doing is like we want to serve the poor and it wasn't until the time that we got married that i realized that most people that were wanting to serve the poor they didn't have a gift to build a business and most of them had to raise funds to go help people and i thought this is interesting like it takes heart to serve the poor it doesn't take skill like it's not like you need this crazy skill set to love people. It takes a heart to love people. It takes a skill to build a business. And I was like, man, how cool would it be if I just if I wasn't just the guy that went out there and helped someone? Mm-hmm. But what if I could empower at the time twelve thousand other people that I knew that were doing this? What if I could empower them to go do it without having to go raise the funds? So that was my initial like, mm. I want to. I think getting into that business was your would big be epic. picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought this I would be that. this would be great. And then I got married, and I thought, well, I also got to provide for my wife. So this is even more amazing. But the biggest thing that motivated me more than anything was that at about eight, 17 years old, I had a friend of mine that I had written music with for three years in school commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that she was even having an issue Yeah, because through my journey of being overweight, being Mm -hmm. self-conscious, which just means being of conscious of yourself only Mm self-conscious. I didn't even put any emphasis on how she was doing. And so when she ended up committing suicide and just a few months, or I think it was actually two weeks later, we had like a little school memorial, word of mouth only, crazy, like 400 and something people showed up. And I went up there in front of everyone. The only thing that I could say was she made an impact in 450 people's lives, yet we didn't make a big enough impact in her life to even have her think about not doing what she did. And I was like, that sucks. So about six months after that, I was driving down a freeway. Um, I had just gone to church for the first time in my life, I think. And I was like, man, I want to be used to do something greater. I want to be like led to do something, not just randomly pick things and do it. And I felt like a weird leading to get off the freeway, like eight miles before my house. 
I think it was Sunday night. So almost about Monday morning now, about 1 a.m. And I got off the freeway. I was like, whatever. If I don't listen to this voice now, like I'm not going to listen to it later either. And that's what most people ask is they're like, what should I do with my life? And they're like, they get this thought. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Like that doesn't make any logical sense. And it does, I don't care. And then they keep yeah, asking I know that one. Question, and I'm like, dude, you just didn't do the small thing. Like if you mm -hmm. can't be faithful in the small, you won't be, you won't be given bigger things. What so I got do? off the freeway. I felt like turn left. I turn left. I'm in an industrial part of town. And I see this guy that was walking down the street and I felt like stop for him. Well, this dude was tatted from his feet to his neck and he had no shoes on. I was like, all right, well, here we go. And I was, I had just lost weight. So I was like a, like 115 pounds at this point. Like I, had, I was emaciated. I didn't know how to work out. I just like starved myself and lost 60 pounds. <laughs> So I pull over, this guy bum rushes my truck, like full out oh, sprint. And I, so I'm like, I yell something to him, like first thing that comes to my mind and he stops and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you need a ride home? <laughs> and we're on the way back. And I told him, man, I was just praying. And I just felt like I wanted to be led to do something great. And then I randomly pick you up. I'm just trying to do something good. And he starts bawling, crying this big old dude in my truck because his car had broken down on the side of the street. He was up there in, in, on the hill looking at his car and he had nothing to kill himself with. But he's like, this is the last straw. There's no, no reason for me to live. So he's literally walking home to kill himself when some little kid in a 1997 Nissan hard body truck at 1 a.m. pulls off the freeway eight miles before his house at one o'clock in the morning, Monday morning. Uh, I was driving Sunday night. And that's when I realized I was like, man, like this is how I want to run my business. And so that's what really looking back now, years later, I realized that that was really the start to building what I built today was through, for me, I, I say something like, if, if God's in the hard things, I, I want to be in the hard things. And I'd rather walk with God through hard things than walk by myself through good things. And so no matter what the decision is, that's always been my like core thing. Why am I in Texas? Man, I felt prayed about it and felt like that's where I should be. Why I start you know, the company cool, I'm in? Like, cool you say that as well, because a lot of people have... There's, there's an interesting intuition, right, that we get. Yep. And then the question is, how do I take it? And I think that's a really good way to lay it down. Is this something I should take that's going to make a long impact? Or can I take this and maybe just be a speed bump, right? Because those two things, maybe throw you off track. So there, so you kick into that and, you know, you've written a book. You've written a book and you've had, um, I've seen you on some magazines and things. But let's kind of go what those, I was interested in kind of what had started first, um, what was the, what was the transaction or what was the offer that you decided yeah. to go to the market with? Yeah. So my wife and I got shipped a package of protein powder in the mail from her mother. I didn't know what network marketing was, but we were just freshly married. I think it was about six months after we had been married or maybe even less than that three months after we got married. And I tried this protein shake and I'm like, man, I already lost weight. This is where I was like getting fit, had a trainer mm -hmm. for a year, really like dialing in my health. And I was like, man, this tastes good. I, I, I'll sell this stuff. I didn't know like I'd lose all my friends and family doing this network marketing thing. And so I, I, I bought this $500 truth, packet. Man. And you're so, you really want it to, it's the worst thing in the world because when you go out there and do that, your intentions are so pure. They really are. Pure, especially mine. I had no clue. <laughs> so pure. And people are like, <laughs> dude, I got hook, line and sinker. I watched the sales video and I was like, get paid to lose weight and drink protein shakes. I'm like, this I can is do this. Yeah, yeah. So I bought it. I invited all my best friends over zero of them bought. And 
I just kept grinding. And that was the first business Amanda and I did was network marketing. We were in something called Arrive by 25. My best friend to this day that runs the fourth fastest growing company in America. We were both in the same network marketing co company together. So mm. super grateful for all of that. Great friends from there. And I feel that the generation before me all came from Tony Robbins. My generation, yeah. a lot of them came from network marketing. So that was mm. the first thing. When that company failed, though, I really struggled transitioning to selling my own product because I believed wholeheartedly that that product was amazing and I couldn't see any flaws in it because mm. they didn't show you any flaws. My own product, I, I knew the flaws of my website, my graphic, my color, my back end, my fulfillment, yeah. all those things. So I, I really looked at in my world, I thought, what do I have in my hands that I could sell? What have I done? I didn't know that I could actually bring in people that had done the things before. I thought that I could only sell what I had done or else I was going to be a fake guru or a fraud. Now I bring in most of the trainers. I'm not even the head trainer inside of what I do. So I can talk about family, even though I only have one kid because I can bring in someone who has five and teenagers or sure. people that have kids that have already left that are empty nesters. Yep. So my first thing then was I'll launch a health product. Since I came out of a health industry, I was heavily influenced by that, but I lost 60 pounds myself and I had done it story. through starving yeah. myself. Yeah. I starved oh. myself to lose weight. I, mm -hmm. I ate, I didn't know how to work out in the gym. So I thought, wow, this is the terrible way to do it. How cool would it be if I could save other men from doing that? And if I didn't ever do that, I would have never started a business. So I thought, man, my dad owns a business. What if I take this to people that own businesses that eventually transformed into men that own businesses, helping them lose weight. That was the business that I started. And it came from many. What year was that? Years. This was 2013, 14. 13. Got it. 13, 14, 15. And uh, throughout that entire time, man, three years, I didn't make any profit. Never paid myself once. Dude, hold on. Say that again. For three years, I never paid myself one time. Okay. Now everybody's listening. Go back <laughs> and yeah. re-listen to that four times. Yeah. I had to actually humble myself. It. I had to humble yes. myself and go to my father and say, dad, I need help. Like I need to, I need to go clean carpets for your carpet cleaning company. And my dad, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. My dad got into a bad accident. Mm -hmm. And for 14 months, I, I ran everything. I, and luckily I was already in it. So I knew it. Yeah. So I was a great training ground, but I made $19,000 one year and $21,000 the next working full-time. Mm -hmm. So when but you, you talk kept, about, but you kept the thing going at the same time. Yep. I kept That's the thing what's going. Important. Yes. Yet. You know, I still had all that mental trash that you were even talking about. People go to events and they don't really even know what they should do or what they're going to mm -hmm. do, or they don't have the confidence. I was like, man, I was driving a carpet cleaning van, smelling like exhaust, trying to change in the back of the van, parking it a mile down the road because I was so embarrassed to go to a networking event after I got done cleaning carpets all day to go talk about how I was going to help business owners lose weight with my mm -hmm. company. And it was yeah. super difficult. And it wasn't until I met I got a meeting with Gary Vee. I just posted this on my Instagram, actually. My wife found a small little clip of me talking to him at that exact moment. I was like, if I could just get a meeting with him. Yeah. So I literally, the way I got a meeting with him was that I remembered that he was Russian and he talked about one time, he goes, we don't sign, I don't sign contracts from my family. We spit in our hands and we shake. Thank you. So I go up to him and I look at him at an event and I go, hey, Gary. And I hawk a loogie in my freaking hand and I put it out to him and he spits in his hand as well. And we shake hands and that's how we connected. <laughs> and that like, talk about like, you know, yeah, well, you can't, 
that's the old, I don't know if you remember this when you were kids, but they used to call blood brothers. So you'd like cut yourself, your brother, your buddy would cut himself. And then you'd kind of like both have blood. You'd call each other blood brothers or whatever. So you, you See, crossed I, the line. I didn't, I didn't do that. That's even crazier, you know, but we spit <laughs> and that's how I originally connect with them. And so I asked him, I said, dude, I, I don't know what to do. Do I build my dad's carpet cleaning company? And many people may be going through this right now as well with maybe a job mm-hmm. or maybe even a business that they have that they don't love, but it's become kind of this like, golden handcuffed, scared to, scared to transition. I had to transition from a health weight loss company to building a brotherhood, a community mm-hmm. of businessmen. That was so scary. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and I said, do I keep cleaning carpets, grow my dad's company? And that way people will listen to me when I want to help people because I, I can show them the revenue mm-hmm. that we generate in the company and they'll respect me because of that. Yep. Or, or do I go into this coaching business where I help these men lose weight? I have no credibility and I've done no profit but I love it. And that's, what's really helping people. And he said, Oh, just do both. I was like, you're getting paid like a hundred thousand dollars to keynote at this event. I came here because I can't do both. And he was like, Oh, just pick one. I was like, dude, this guy's a freaking joke. Like this is stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Shoot, pick one or do both. So he pulls out crush it his 2009 book, I believe. And he flipped to the page where he passed on being an angel investor in Uber, that if he would have done that, he would have already bought the jets, which is like his big goal, being a billionaire buying the jets. Sure. And he's like, the difference between you and I is you think your decisions matter. He's like, I just make decisions. Like he said, the worst decision is indecision because it's still a decision. He's like, you're an indecision because you think your, your decisions are so powerful and such a big deal. He's like, just make a decision. Don't regret and move on. You could always go back or change it later. I was like, wow. Like, that's now, really good. now that is true. Um, and I think that also there becomes a, a vo- I've always thought about this statement because there's also a volume of decisions that you have to make enough, kind of like a portfolio. So if you're just making like one decision and your, your ship's not moving very fast, you could be very detrimental. <laughs> but if you totally. have a lot of things moving, then making a lot of decisions quickly, I think is important. I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing for him was that he knew that he was going to buy the jets and be successful. So he wasn't so caught up in, if I do this, I'm going to fail. I was so afraid of like, Mm -hmm. I can't do both, but I don't know which one to choose. And so I was sitting there for those three years and not making profit. Was I having both things going? Yes, but I really wasn't doing them well. And it wasn't until I got to this place where I'm like, I know I'm going to be successful because I've seen the end. And now I look at the beginning from the end in mind, and I already know I'm going to make it. So these little decisions on things going right or wrong or missing an opportunity or not, they don't matter to me because I already know where I'm going. Even, even the mindset inside of my own company, the way I don't care if people buy or don't buy, which is a common statement I say to everyone, I literally, it does not change my life. And I do not give a crap if anyone buys for me. Why? Because I already know I'm going to, I already know what my life's going to look like. Well, you also, I think that's such a cool statement. I think people like have to get there. Like I, th- this one's been a lot of my heart lately because I think it's such an interesting conversation, yep. but I think a lot of it is like, a lot of things have to do with volume because it, like kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, is like when, when you started selling your offer, whatever that was, every person that came through the pipeline was just like, dude, it there was no care. It was like, they were, you had to groom them. You have to hold them. You get it. But until you kind of get a little bit of volume, meaning that you can't really care if you buy or not, but you also know you have enough marketing out there to get the right person, I think is what you're saying. 
Not totally. Like, I don't but care. I really, I really believe that most people think that if I have enough leads, then I'll stop caring so much. Uh, and it's point. just yeah. not true. It's yeah. the same lie that's told about that when I have this thing, I'll be happy. No, it can, it can enhance. Yeah. You may feel more solidified in this belief that you have because now you have actual evidence to back it up mm -hmm. yet. You can't be like, oh man, I, once I make this much money, once I have this car, then I'll be happy. Cause it's just, a, it's a lie. And same thing with the posturing and mindset of knowing where you're going. So for me, when I well, was that, building- You would have had to have looked at the imposter, imposter symbol when you transitioned from that to this. Cause then you were like, I don't have any revenue to show. So that was an interesting transition for you as well. Yeah. And so that it was tough for me to, let's say, jump on a show like this. When I was first building the health company and I wasn't successful- it was very tough for me to speak confidently because I would always go back and be like, well, I'm not good enough because of X, Y, Z. And so it took me actually doing an exercise that we teach our guys now, which is if you were to go back in time 10 or 20 years, if someone could, but 10 years in the past and go back and relive those moments. For me, I would be like, just like, just out of high school, it stinks. I'd go back 20 years. So I could be like 10 years old and I would dominate like all 10 year old sports. Like that'd be like my dream, right? Is I'd, I'd work out like crazy and I would just kill it in, in 10. You probably actually going back, you just would have to take more risk. I thought about that too. I was like, yeah. I was younger. Like you just have to take a little bit more risk because people weren't that crazy. Exactly. <laughs> but you would do better. Wouldn't you agree that if you went oh, back, 100%, knowing what you, know now, you mm -hmm. would crush it. And mm -hmm. so I, I want to do that with my future. And so uh -huh. I lay down on the ground, I put on some instrumental music and I start yep. actually allowing myself to dream up what my future is going to look like five years, 10 years, 20 years. And you won't know what car you're going to drive or, you know, what your house is going to look like because the house you love now in 20 years is going to look like crap anyway. And so it's not about that. It's about who are you and who have you become? And I saw myself and you start emotionalizing this person. You start actually experiencing what that life is like. And it allows you to give you like almost like a memory of like, this is who I'm becoming. This is who I'm called to be. And I was able to have confidence in that because I wasn't confident in, in where I was at yet. Where I was at could change at any moment. The exercise I do with our guys is imagine right now I, I deposited a billion dollars in your bank account, a billion with a B. Yeah. I'd be like, how would you feel? Like I, it's, I you'd feel amazing. You'd, you'd literally go to the You'd go like hang out with someone at a cafe and you accidentally leave your bank app open as you go to the bathroom so that people could sure. screenshot it. Slip out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I just God accidentally damn, dropped my ATM slip. slip. Yeah. It's like not $999 million <laughs> left and you'd feel amazing. Maybe you'd feel more confident to promote your message. Maybe you feel more confident on stage because now you have this external validation of who you mm -hmm. actually are. And what's crazy is you're no different with the billion dollars than you were the day before. And yet, mm -hmm. if I were to rip that billion dollars out of your bank account, just all of a sudden suck it back and you're left with that, whatever you had before, a lot of people would be less confident. I'm like, that's a freaking joke. Like that is literally just external circumstances defining your current reality. And so that, I think people, that's a really good talk. I think that there's puzzle pieces there that you like, that's really good stuff, man. That's like, because most people are better than they think, dude. Like I, I've interviewed over 500 experts mm -hmm. and most people out there would say, man, there's so many frauds. There's so many bad coaches. They're coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, I've interviewed 500 people that I always thought that I was going to run into some loser that sucks. And 
out of the 500 plus people that I've interviewed, I'm dumbfounded by how many amazing, smart people there are out there that are doing really good things. And mm. I believe I, I even have my father-in-law. He, when he first started his business, I had to teach him how to introduce himself because he would say things like, I'm a, I, I left my job in corporate America to go be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, like, Chris, like nobody really likes that. I'm like, what have we shifted it? Let me, let me go through who you actually are. Who are you actually? So I go through all the data and I realized that he made like $4 million in corporate America, top paid executive in the cut working for totally the 12th largest story. company. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, how about this? How about, Hey, I was the highest paid executive for the 12th largest company in the world. And the text message that you used to get from Verizon that you were over data was actually created by me. And I decided that I was doing something that was taking time away from my family and wasn't impactful to the world. So I decided to leave that career and start a company that now can help save marriages as being a married person for over 30 years and create a family business where I can give our family wealth, yet also transform lives in the process of my work. Everyone's like, I respect and love this guy. He's the yeah. same damn guy, the mm -hmm. same guy. Yeah. It's just a different lens. And I realized that I can do that with so many people's lives and they're so much more valuable than they think, but they sit there and they go, well, I haven't made them Dude, there's always that. Well, you Same traveled, thing. you traveled. You talked about external validation. Yeah. Dude, I, when I had never made any money, yeah. I always thought everyone has made more money. They're more successful than me. Well, dude, I own 15 lots up here, 30 acres in Texas on this house here, gone to crypto 2017, run a multi-million dollar company. And I just had to start working on this like six months ago because I still looked at myself the same. I was like, man, I haven't done enough. Mm -hmm. Like you can ask for the external validation all you want, but until you have the internal belief, yeah, it, 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 it'll, it'll never combat that external validation. You will always think you're not enough. You'll always think you're not good enough. You'll Dude. always think you're not talented yeah. enough. End of story. So it has to start with the belief first. I talk about fighting on here all the time. And um, I, I try to tell people all the time, like fighters that go and actually fight and do those things. Yeah, fighters are the best, scared. dude. Yeah, but so, fighters are the best. Yeah, they're good. They're, they so my background is Muay Thai. So I, um, I went and lived in Thailand and did Muay Thai in Thailand and things like that. And I'll tell you the one thing that people underestimate, and Mike Tyson clears it out really well, is there's a, there's a statement that he says, make it really quick. And he's coming out from the ring and he tells about his experience going to the ring. And he basically is like, I'm scared of this guy. I'm terrified of this man. I've been dreaming about this man killing me, knocking me out. And then right when he goes through the ropes, he says, at this moment, I look at the other man that I've been fearing this whole time. And I can tell that he's afraid. And I now feel like a God, but the storyline is that he had to go through like all those emotional bullshit until he actually felt the guy that he planned on feeling at the beginning. Does that make sense? Yep. And so when, what you say is so, so right on. And what I've learned through that process is that if you can lay down like you did, you're artificially creating the perfect scenario so that when you actually get into that environment, you're like, I've been here before. Yep. And you're what you, I think just so I can kind of get this right, if I get it from understanding correct, is that you're basically saying that if I preload the feeling when I lay down, that when I need it in my journey, I I'm, I'm connected to it and I'm already there. It's just, it just has to connect. I bring that feeling to my current environment. Mm -hmm. And of course I don't do this alone. I, I have 
mentors and people around me that can call me out if I'm being some obnoxious guy that thinks he's too cool for school. I don't, I don't mean anything about, about doing it all on your own or, mm. or going out there and acting like you're some great person and, and you suck at what you do. What I do mean is that it's like you have a great environment of people around you that can speak into your life. And, and generally a lot of times people allow their external circumstance to define their internal identity. You have two different types of identity. You have earned identity and personal identity. Earned identity is what we're talking about. You make a million dollars, you forever have made a million dollars. You win the Super Bowl, you've always won the Super Bowl, like forever. No matter what you say, you're still a Super Bowl champion. You win in Muay Thai, that's an earned identity. Like mm -hmm. you cannot just believe you're a Muay Thai champion. Like you, you've done it and forever you get to do that. The challenge with that is that you now have this standard on your life forever. Mm -hmm. It's like being a Navy SEAL. Everyone who works out with the Navy SEAL always wants to beat them. So a Navy SEAL always has this pressure to this, be this identity yeah. that they've earned. Mm -hmm. Then you have an internal identity, and this is what you believe about yourself. And this is what drives you to create the earned identity. Like it's tough to, if you don't believe in yourself and don't believe you can do anything and crippled by fear, they'll never go out there and, and get the trident and become a Navy SEAL. It takes a certain amount of belief and from that belief of who you are, it then creates the external manifestation of, you know, in this instance, yeah. becoming a seal. It's like it, it took that internal identity first to then create the life where they get that external identity that they get to keep forever. Like once you earn it, you get to have it forever. Yet it's that internal identity that really, man, I mean, this is why I think it's so important to get around super successful people is – when, when you're around them, you start actually – their life starts becoming like your reality. I did this two different ways. I, when I raced motocross, I'd only watch helmet cams of the fastest racers in the world. Why? That's a good idea. I only, yeah. I only wanted my memory to yeah. remember the best yeah. so that idea. when I was going that speed, it was normal. The second mm -hmm. thing is when I played golf, I played golf for about 15 months straight. I, I hit 220 golf balls every day. And I was like shooting 130 when I first started and got all the way down to shooting in the 70s, low 80s, 70s in 15 months. The way that I did it is I noticed that most people golfed and then they hit this like plateau where they golfed in the 80s, mid 80s, high 80 golfer. And this is the average guy who golfs for 20 years all the time and he never gets better. Swing's still crap. He's limited mm -hmm. by his belief. And also he's golfing with a bunch of people that golf in the 80s. I was golfing with a pro golfer four days a week pro golfer so when he was shooting 70 low mm -hmm. 70s or under par that was like my reality of what i believed and he was able to watch my swing give me pointers mm -hmm. and just the the way that i attacked the game was completely different because the person around me was shooting in the low 70s or below par so mm -hmm. i even had nine holes where i shot two under why because mm -hmm. when i golfed with him my belief was yeah. around this is the expectation. And so when you have that expectation, your mind actually starts finding ways. How can I improve to get this result right here? Yeah. Because unless you have that in your mind, there's no opportunity to see it. The same reason why when you buy a car, you start seeing them everywhere. But it's yeah. even the, it's if your the favorite car is Lamborghini, Michael though, Jordan, yeah. And like then everybody one, could jump the free throw. You know, it was like, once it's done, you believe yep. it can be done. And you know, it's so, and I always go back to this in this conversations because we could sit and talk about logistical business things. We could talk about return on investment, things like that. And even in the last couple of podcasts, I've done, they all come back down to this, right? Where it's like, you didn't look at it 
this, uh, you, you looked at it differently than the other person looked at it. it I, yep. I always say like, you're not, no one's smarter really than, I mean, okay, there's guys that are smarter, but let me give them, let me give them their credit. But a lot of times it's like you were, I don't know what's the, you didn't sharpen your sword at all. You just kept freaking going and going and going and going. There's just other angles, right? Yep. So when you, um, what was the decision for you? You know, you created, I kind of wanted to go through some of the asset time that you created assets when you decided to do this business, because you created like a pamphlet, which would have, you know, um, educational material. Um, you did a book and then you've done probably video training. What was, how did that progress for you? Cause there's a lot of people that would like to do that, but I think the progression would be interesting to hear. Yeah, I think that people knowing what their skill sets are is super important. You can't know that unless you do them. I was very terrible at speaking in front of cameras and on stage. So mm. you want to test things out because you want to find where you have a capacity for massive growth because everything that you do, whether it's writing, like if you're going to write a book or write a blog or, or do something that's actually written word, you may suck at it and you may suck at video the same. And as you do them more, you'll realize that you really have a capacity to improve in one. So mm. writing is not my strong suit. So I don't sit here and write these huge long blogs all the time. I realized that my capacity was inside of live, especially. So interview, live speaking, live video, live Q&A, anything that has to do with me being able to be seen and heard at the same exact time and anything that's on the cuff, not prepared. That's where I shine the most. So I try yeah. to stick to that as, as much as possible. And so as we saw that, I started really focusing on how can I get in, a, in front of small groups of people? How can I get in front of other people's audiences? I didn't have an audience. Other people did. And that audience needed what I had to teach. So I started networking with the owners of those groups and seeing if I can go and serve those communities for free. And each time I served those communities for free and taught at the time how to lose weight for men, well, then all of a sudden some of them would come up or how to optimize as an entrepreneur. Some of those guys would come up, we'd then schedule sales calls and those sales calls would lead to clients. And I just did that over and over and over again. And that was my main focus. And as we started growing the company, transitioned to the brotherhood, I did that all through live events. So I launched the brotherhood. I remember having these men that all ran businesses that all lost weight and none of them knew each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, they have crappy friends. They keep getting out of shape afterwards. So mm -hmm. I was like, how, how, how could I get them all together? What do they really need? I'm like, they need a brotherhood guys that own businesses, but they want to be healthy and have great families. I was like, I'll throw a live event. I was like, I'll do 20 people. My wife looks at me and she's like, do a hundred. Got to have a hundred people at this event. Great. So I sold <laughs> tickets for like, an average of 500 bucks. To what was going on event. internally for you? Oh, dude, I was, dude, I was scared in every way. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared so to good. launch the brotherhood because what if I fail and I have to go back to teaching health? I was never the health guy. I just, mm. I was a business guy that had lost weight and I had something to sell and it was weight loss. And that company was doing $35,000 a month at the time when I was making this transition. So it was scary. And so I remember that. And then the second thing was that after I launched the tickets for the event, I only had 10 people booked like 45 days before the event. So I was yeah. afraid that all the speakers were going to come. The attendees were going to come look around, see no one was there. And all the speakers were going to believe I was a fraud and my career was going to be over. And I was pinnacle, like, bro, dude, there's a, there's a pinnacle moment right there. <laughs> yeah. So just imagine like it's either a lot of people would just quit and just be like, Hey, we're not going to do the event. Thanks though. I just called and closed 81 people on the phone. So I went through every text message, Facebook messenger, person I knew I was connected to, and I invited them to the event, closed them on the phone, had about 90 people at that first event, and I launched the Brotherhood, and we sold $280,000 at that event. 
And so since then, events, virtual events, high ticket phone sales have been the main ways that we've generated revenue inside the company. It's all getting them integrated into the brotherhood where we have these like-minded men that want to prosper in health, wealth, and relationships and trainings to help them be able to do that as well. So the events were absolutely huge. And I still believe or, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I want to launch like a high ticket group coaching, or I want to launch a high ticket mastermind. It's like, dude, whether it's virtual or in-person event, webinar, one-day training. I just did a one-day workshop the other day that did 60K in sales with 30 people on it. Just like, that's just the, the way that I know that works and you don't have to sit there on the phone the entire time. And if you want to hit the phones, it's just because you're following up the, with the people afterwards yeah. to get that extra 30 or $100,000 yeah, yeah. in sales. A little squeeze. Yeah, or for me, it's more about the person that I, the squeeze the person that I called and they actually did it and it changed their life. Yeah. And I just think about that every time I get done with the event, I'm like, what if there's that guy that didn't buy and now his life isn't going to change if I don't just give him a call. Like that yeah. sucks. I'm like, ah, I freaking hate that. So I call him and I'm like, Hey man, I just don't feel good. Not giving you a call just in case you're like this guy, this guy did this thing. Now he's married, has a business with 20 yeah. employees. I'm like, man, I, I can't change that. But I think that's a great way for people that maybe aren't money motivated to be a little bit more motivated by it's rude for you not to sell and yeah. everything in life is sales. And if you're not good at sales, you will fail at life. A hundred percent. You will be a failure at life. If you do not master how to sell, because even going into the gym takes you selling yourself, eating yeah. healthy takes you selling yourself on health over unhealthy things, selling your spouse, they say that the number, you know, a good closer by if they're married, like all those different things, like they had to close that person on why they should commit to them yeah. for the rest of their life to be with. And yeah, so I know you're right. Sales <laughs> is the biggest, is the biggest and best skill set if you want to transform your own life. And if you want to build something impactful. I agree with that in so many ways, because at the end of the day, they're human behaviors. And eventually, if you know how to sell, you can walk your way into different rooms you can get yourself in different places. There's a lot of push and pull. I, dude, I, I think you nailed it. Dude, Nicholas, this was awesome, man. This was super awesome. I've, I've had a good time. How can they find you? What's up? Send them, their, send them your way. Yeah, I actually had uh, 10 books that we set aside. And so if someone wants to, I have Modern Day Businessman, best-selling book. I physically will pay for the copy and for all the shipping and everything. Okay. For the first 10 people that messaged me on Instagram, Nicholas Barely. So you message me on Instagram, you can just message me your address or say, hi, what's up first? And I'll make sure to reply. And then you send me your address. I'll actually have our team just physically like mail you out 10 books. I'll even sign them beforehand to get them out. Uh, and then also anyone after that, I'm happy to send them a virtual copy as well after those cool. people grab this first 10 books. So um, Nick, Nicholas on Insta Nicholas Barely on Instagram is the best way to connect. Dude, I appreciate you, brother. We'll do Thanks, it again. Dude. Appreciate it. That closes us out. Move Entrepreneur Evolve podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Move is to entrepreneurs.